In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey, Lantern Cast family, I'm Chad Bokelman, and welcome to a special episode of the Lantern Cast. Um, this is actually going to be our another kind of a convention audio interview kind of uh, report thing. Um, as you guys know, I have a history of, uh, you know, getting some press passes to local area conventions when there are, um, well, local to the central Texas area. And when, uh, you know, there are enough guests that uh, kind of, you know, deem the uh, press pass treatment uh, with relation to Green Lantern, I try and, uh, you know, sneak in there and, and get what audio I can for you guys. Um, lately, uh, well, by lately, I just mean the, the past couple of years I've done this, it's uh, been Wizard World Austin. Um, well, there's actually a convention that's been starting up uh, down here in uh, the Central Texas area for the past, uh, I don't know, year or two. That is the um, Alamo City Comic Con. Uh, Alamo City uh, Comic Con takes place in San Antonio, Texas. And several, several, several months ago, I... Uh, super advance asked the uh, convention uh, uh, organizers if I could get a press pass, you know, kind of introduce myself. I want to establish a relationship with them. Uh, and they were gracious enough to grant me two, um, not just for myself, but for myself and another individual, because I've noticed uh, the past few times I've gone to conventions to get interviews that uh, I always wish I had some more photos to share with you guys, you know, pictures of me doing the, uh, like actually during the interview, speaking with these creators, um, making sure I get a picture taken with the creator after the interview, you know, things like that. And this time around, I uh, I, I thought ahead, and I did that. And uh, as luck would have it, you know, these, these don't have to be professional photographs. They have to be uh, just kind of, uh, you know, point-and-shoot kind of photographs, so I didn't really need a specific uh, professional photographer, so I recruited my uh, future brother-in-law. My little sister got engaged uh, a few months back, and my future brother-in-law, Gary, uh, he's a bit of a geek, uh, likes uh, things like uh, lots of video games, um, huge Lord of the Rings fan, um, you know, take how big of a fan I am of Green, Green Lantern and you know, multiply that by times two and make it Lord of the Rings instead, and that's Gary with uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, he's been coming over to the comic side a little bit. Yes, it's my doing. Uh, <laughs> a little bit uh, outside of influence, uh, reading as a kid and stuff, I think. But, uh, you know, animated movies, and uh, we play a little bit of DC deck building, but that's neither here nor there. Um, invited him down. 
because he's a bit of a geek. This is his first convention. And because he's going to be my future, future brother-in-law, although I know him pretty well already, I figured, you know, it'd be a good bonding experience too. So we all went down there. Uh, San Antonio is about an hour, hour and a half, uh, outside of Austin. And we stayed with, uh, Gary's, uh, sister, Jaina, and her husband, uh, and their roommate, and, uh, down in their house. And they were gracious enough to drive us to the show. Uh, so that we could save on parking, and uh, we had a time of it. Um, I was able to get interviews, um, <laughs> since this is the, the whole point of this episode. Uh, the two interviews um, that you will hear uh, in uh, in this episode, uh, the first being an interview with Philip Tan. Um, Philip Tan is the... Uh, uh, artist, uh, is an artist for DC, um, for a little bit there, and he was, uh, Green Lantern related. He was most known for, uh, the Agent Orange storyline, as well as designing, uh, all of the, um, uh, Orange Lantern, uh, concepts, all the, all the Orange Lantern character designs. Um, and, uh, we talked about that and a couple other things. I actually got a print from Philip, um, uh, he was nice enough to, to to also do a quick Larfley sketch in my sketchbook, my lantern-based sketchbook, um, for free for me. So that was pretty nice of him. And uh, we we sat and talked about Agent Orange and and his work with DC. So you'll hear that here in just a second. In addition to that, you will also hear an interview with Pat Broderick. Pat um, was uh, probably one of the highlights of the convention for me. Uh, not to <laughs> uh, put down Philip or anybody. Uh, Philip was actually extremely nice, and we talked several times throughout the con. Um, but Pat uh, was extremely approachable, extremely friendly. Um, he took as much time as necessary uh, out to properly speak with me uh, about the various topics I wanted to talk about. As you guys may or may not know, I also run a blog all about Ragman, um, the suit of souls.blogspot.com. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a blog and a character that is near and dear to my heart. And, uh, Pat actually worked on the six issue 1991 Ragman miniseries, um, that, uh, the eight issue rather, uh, Ragman miniseries, um, that had come out in, in the early 90s that, uh, uh was, uh, scripted, I believe, by Keith Giffen, and um, also uh, was the first, um, you know, series uh, focusing on Ragman post-crisis, uh, meaning that was when the character developed the whole suit of souls concept, the more supernatural bent to it, and the connection to Jewish uh, mythology and folklore. Um, that's obviously nothing to do with Green Lantern, so I'm not going to go too far into that. Uh, I did trans. Uh, I did sit down with Pat, and I did do a separate interview on that topic of Ragman, and I transcribed it, and it is available over on my blog if you are curious. Again, the suit of souls. So the suit of souls. Dot blogspot. Dot com. If you're curious about that. Um, but in addition to talking with me uh, at length about Ragman, Pat also sat down and talked to me uh, on a separate occasion about Green Lantern. Um, Pat did several issues of Green Lantern right when um, Appa Ali Apsa went mad, as well as a three-issue Star Sapphire story arc around that same time. Um, so we talked about his little brief stint on Green Lantern as well, so you will hear that particular bit of, uh, 
audio. Um, in addition, I met Brett Booth and Andrew Dalhouse at the convention. They shared a table together. Uh, Brett Booth uh, and Andrew Dalhouse are, have been working together for a long time, uh, probably more notably on Teen Titans when the new 52 got started, as well as they are the current artistic team behind the... Um, Flash series uh, in the New 52. Not quite sure if we're still calling it the New 52 anymore based on recent DC moves, but um, that's what I'm calling it at the moment. So they're the current creative team behind, uh, well, uh, artistic creative team behind The Flash. Um, but uh, Brett actually, uh, Brett and Andrew actually, uh, Brett did the art for the Larflees Christmas special, as well as uh, a story within the Untold Tales of the Blackest Night uh, issue. You know that collected several different stories, one of which being a Ragman story. Awesome! But uh, there was also a Scarecrow uh, story within that Untold Tales of the Blackest Night issue that Brett and Andrew worked on. Uh, I plan to talk to them during the con about that. Um, uh, but as luck would have it, um, they actually had a panel together that I sort of semi-moderated. Um, and I'll get to that uh, story. Uh, actually, I might as well tell it now uh, because I'm actually just going to give you guys the whole string of audio from the con uh, straight out uh, after I'm through talking here. Um, I didn't want to just drop these interviews on you cold. I wanted to give you a bit of uh, backstory and stuff like that. So uh, the way it kind of worked is uh, we had a... Uh, a um, a panel. Brett and Andrew had a panel, um, and the panel was low attended, um, and it was uh, it was listed on there that it was going to be uh, mostly regarding their work on Teen Titans. I guess whomever was um, organizing the panels thought that that was their most recent work, not being aware of the Flash or, or what. I'm not sure how these things come about, um, but it was myself. Um, my uh, future brother-in-law, Gary, uh, and two other individuals sitting in on that panel, and there was no moderator. Um, so kind of being fish out of the waters themselves, uh, Brett and Andrew, as well as, you know, me and myself, you know, wanting to make sure that I spent the time. I just, because I wanted to talk with Brett and Andrew with regards to the Larfleet's Christmas special and the Untold Tales of the Blackest Night issue, uh, the Scarecrow story, I... Um, just started pitching them questions from, you know, front row, five feet in front of them in the audience. And I actually recorded that whole panel. Um, so I'm also, after the Pat Broderick interview, I'm going to present that entire audio at the end of the episode. Uh, that'll round out the end of the episode there. Um, whether the audio quality is 100% perfect or not, uh, unsure, not sure if you'll be able to hear my questions or not. That's why I'm putting it at the end of the episode so that if you get frustrated with it or something, because there's only so much uh, audacity can do for us guys uh, in terms of audio editing. But uh, if you get frustrated with it, then at least you're not missing anything else uh, at, at the end of the episode. Um, but uh, I want to present that to you guys anyways. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, I'm not familiar with their run on Teen Titans, and I'm not familiar with their run on Flash so far. Um, mostly because I was reading Flash when um, Francis Manipal was doing the art and the layouts. Uh, he was exceedingly good at layouts, and I just was very curious artistically to see what he would come up with every issue. Um, 
But uh, it sounds like what you know. I, I was familiar enough with the comic industry as a whole, and kind of what I've heard surface about what's been going on in the in, in the Flash titles enough to sort of carry on a conversation with the guys. So I thought it was cool. It was kind of a on the spot uh, mini opportunity for me to moderate a panel, uh, which was really interesting and really fun. And uh, I hope I get to do it in an official capacity. Uh, someday so that I can, you know, prepare and, and hopefully, uh, do that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll have the opportunity one day. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But it was a really cool experience. Um, before we get to the interviews, I just kind of wanted to throw out my general impressions and experiences at the con. Um, as a convention, uh, its layout was very familiar to me in terms of, um, you know, I've only been to, uh, oh, I've been to New York Comic Con. Um, and I've been to Super CGS Super Show, Comic Geek Speak, which technically really isn't a convention. I mean, it is, but it's, it's more of a show and a community gathering and stuff like that. But you've heard us go on about that in the past if you've been listening for a long time. But by and large, most of my experience has been a, a Wizard World Austin kind of show. And this is similar in terms of layout. You know, you have your, uh, you know, your 501st Legion and cosplayers and, and stuff like that. And everything's very blocked out. There's an artist alley. There's vendors. There's celebrity areas. There's photo, uh, photo ops and, and stuff like that. So, but it was much, much larger. Um, uh, there was some confusion in terms of, uh, tickets and, and in turn, uh, at least in terms of, uh, getting the media passes and, and stuff like that. On my end, I heard there was confusion in terms of tickets for regular attendees. Not quite sure about that. Uh, as I don't have direct experience with that, I can't speak to that. Uh, and I'd rather not just because I don't want to, you know, uh, maybe what I'm hearing from some other people's hearsay. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, all I can go on is based on the, my own experience. Um, saw several familiar faces there. Saw Tom Wynn, uh, the inker. Um, that's been working with, uh, uh, Monkey for a long time. Um, uh, and we've had him on the show before. Uh, saw my good friend Errol C, uh, over there, uh, and McLean McGuire, who, uh, runs CCP Comics, or is one of the guys that runs CCP Comics. Uh, they had, like, their whole, like, God, it must have been 20 tables there. It was awesome. Uh, CCP just gets bigger every year, so good on them. Um, I saw Katie Cook there. Katie Cook was uh, was there, which was really nice for me, uh, just because she's part of my CGS crew. You know, she's one of the few people that probably comes down to the Austin, uh, Central Texas area every now and then enough to where I can have a touchstone to my comic geek speak community. Uh, so it was really really cool to see her. Got a couple of mini pa- mini paintings from her. Um, I got my sister to start watching Doctor Who a little bit, so I got my sister a mini painting of uh, uh, Katie Cook doing um, uh, Amy Pond. Um, I also got a mini painting for myself of Ragman. Uh, duh, <laughs> uh, and um, you know, got a picture with her. I also saw Scott Collins. Scott Collins has been on the show a couple of times. Uh, in terms of audio, he's one of the first people, he is the first person I interviewed for the Lantern cast a long, long time ago. Uh, and we interviewed him again at New York Comic Con. So it was good to see him. Um, Gary, I said earlier, was a large, uh, a, a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, Billy Boyd, Pippin, 
uh, one of the hobbits from the Lord of the Rings was there. Uh, and we got a chance to, you know, kind of talk with him a little bit. And, uh, on Friday when we got there, he seemed really, really tired and sort of confused when we talked to him because, um, uh, it was at the end of the day, it must've been a long day. Um, and Gary had never been to a con before. So he kind of just walked up to, to him where I thought going through the line, uh, which is fine because there was nobody really in line. Uh, but you know, they have the whole process and stuff. Um, and we didn't get anything that day. Um, but we, you know, once we clarified that we just, we didn't, we weren't going to ask for pictures or get anything signed. We just wanted to thank him for his work and, and stuff like that. It was really cool. Um, the big one though, uh, well, before we talked to Billy Boyd, we talked to John Noble. Uh, John Noble, if you guys, uh, in terms of Lord of the Rings, he was, I think, Lord Denethor in the Return of the King movie. Um, for those who don't know the name off the top of their head, but have seen the movie, he was the guy that was the steward of Gondor that was going to burn his son alive and then caught himself on fire and went running off the edge of the top of, uh, what is that city called? Is it called Minas Tirith? Yeah, Minas Tirith. Um, that guy. Um, and, uh, he was there. So, um, we talked to him. I was, I, I am a Lord of the Rings fan, but I am a much bigger Fringe fan. And John Noble, if you guys ever watched Fringe, uh, John Noble was Walter on Fringe, Walter Bishop. Uh, and I've watched and re-re-watched and re-re-re-re-re-watched Fringe several times. Love that. So we, um, Gary had never, funny little story, Gary had never been to a con like this before, and he was extremely nervous about how you, you know, what are you supposed to do? Like, I, I don't want to be wasting his time, and, you know, I'm, you know, and, and what do you say? And, you know, so I just kind of took the lead, I guess. It was really, really surreal. Like, the only way I could describe it, because I'm never ever in this position, is like, if a friend of yours is really good at talking to girls, and you're not, so you're, your friend's just like, not help, just, follow me, do what I do and just play along, you know, <laughs> and starts talking them up and then you gain enough confidence to go on from that point. I've never been in that situation, but I've heard that situation described. So I'm assuming that's, <laughs> that's what the, that, it, that it's like, but, uh, really, really surreal for me. But anyways, so we walked up, we went through the line, we told him we just wanted to talk to him real quick and thank him for all he's done. Uh, and then we, we we got to speak with John Noble for like a good, you know, five five to ten minutes um, uh, there on Friday evening. Um, and we talked to him about Lord of the Rings and Fringe and his work on Elementary and um, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, and he was extremely personable, extremely nice extremely easy to talk to and very 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 friendly um and it's so much so you know we told him you know we'll see you tomorrow we're gonna get a photo op with you and gary and i um split the cost of a photo op and when we walked up on saturday to get our picture taken with john noble he recognized us immediately he made a comment about how it was you know like reuniting with old friends and put his arms around us and gave us a big you know kind of each of us a big side hug and it was it was really cool um, and then, uh, after, after that, we went back, uh, Gary, um, has a collector's edition set, uh, really cool hardbound set of, uh, Lord of the Rings books. Uh, and he took his, uh, I believe it was a return of the King may, may have been two towers. I'm not sure to get Billy Boyd to sign. And Billy Boyd was much more awake and nice and friendly, um, 
the staff allowed, because of the media pass, allowed me to get uh, a picture of him signing the book for Gary so that we could host it on our website and just kind of showcase the convention. So that was extremely nice of the staff. Um, Billy Boyd was really funny and really uh, personable as well. On Saturday, he was... And he saw me taking a picture and he was offering us mints, like uh, peppermints and stuff like that. And uh, uh, evidently someone had just like kind of put a bunch of them on his desk for a while. He was doing autographs and stuff and he'd been just eating them like candy all day and he was just trying to get rid of them. And then he started talking about, well, you never know if you run across a, 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 a pretty Wonder Woman or, you know, something like that. And uh <laughs> Started talking about macking on random Wonder Women at the con, which was not in any ways crass, guys. It was just a, it was just more of a friendly banter, joke kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I said, "Well, this is my brother-in-law. You know, he's marrying my sister. I can't, you know, I can't have that going on." He's like, "Well, nobody has to know, you know." <laughs> just you know, being joke, joking around, having a lot of fun. He was really nice. Um, signed Gary's book and. Um, uh, I think the inscription was how about second breakfast or something like that. Um, and, um, and that was really cool as well. Um, lots of good shopping opportunities down at Alamo city comic con. Um, some unique booths. Um, I've never been to a convention where I saw the lightsaber booth. There was like a whole, lightsaber thing like really cool looking lightsabers i'm sure you guys know which what i'm talking about if you've seen this thing before but it was really cool um uh, fortunately i'm not a big enough star wars fan to uh to uh justify spending the money on that but it was really interesting looking uh there was a beard booth which was really cool um they were giving away or they were doing uh free uh beard trims and 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 shapes uh, shaping um just uh, it was free, but you know you got some. You know, you just, they were doing it for some gratuity, some donations as well, uh, and just kind of spreading the word of their company. So that was really interesting. Um, unfortunately, that name escapes me, so I apologize. Um, there's um, there were some good panels I heard, uh, especially Friday. Unfortunately, we got there late, so we didn't get a chance to go to those. The one panel we did get to go to was the Walking Dead panel, which had. Um, Oh man, I can't remember the actor's name. I want to say it's Lawrence Gillard Jr. I don't know. That's what my mind is saying, but I could be wrong. He was the guy who played Bob on Walking Dead, as well as John Bernthal, who played Shane and is going to be in the upcoming Punisher. Um, uh, not, not he's going to be Punisher in the upcoming season two of Netflix's Daredevil. Um, and then Michael Rooker, uh, who was Merle on Walking Dead, as well as Yondu and Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, mostly it was Bob for a little while talking, um, uh, and then, uh, John Bernthal and Merle, uh, 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 Michael Rooker showed up maybe the last 10 minutes of the panel or so. Uh, a lot of really entertaining, good, some good information. Gary was pretty excited. Um, we were going to go to the Villains of Arrow panel on Saturday, I believe, or Sunday, no, Sunday. Um, and uh, we were one of the first maybe 30 or so people in line, but unfortunately that panel was canceled. That um, was going to be uh, Manu Bennett. Uh, forgive me, I don't know the, I'm, I don't have anything in front of me, so I'm not sure if I'm getting these names right. Who played uh, um, 
Death Deathstroke on Arrow, as well as the guy who played um, Rachel Ghoul on Arrow as well. Um, but uh, if you've seen the uh, news reports uh, out of Alamo City Comic Con, you know that uh, Manu wasn't able to make it for extenuating circumstances, which I won't go into here because I don't think that kind of thing needs publicity until it's all worked out. So you're welcome to s search that on your own. Um, but uh, suffice it to say, we don't know all the facts, so uh, I'd rather not pass judgment on anybody. Was a little disappointed that we missed that panel because it was one of uh, one of the two uh, that we were really excited about. So, but you know, things happen, and uh, we got on with our lives. Um, good shopping, good artists, um, a lot of uh, uh, interesting art. Gary got a a print from an artist uh, of Mary Jane, and he got a print of, for himself uh, from Philip Tan's table of uh, Spidey and his villains, which was pretty cool. And I got a print from. Uh, Philip as well of Larflees, which is really cool. Um, also did a little bit of shopping, some dollar comics here and there. Um, did some discount trade shopping. I got a Justice Society trade, um, which is on the other side of the room, so I don't want to bore you. But it, there was some really good art in there. Um, actually, uh, no, it's not on the other side of the room. But it's right here. Let me just grab it real quick. Yeah, this uh, Justice Society trade. Uh, it's actually, let's see, what's the first issue number in this? This is Justice Society issue number, well, actually it says All-Star Comics Presents Super Squad, number 58. Um, not sure, let me see the copyright information in here. Originally published in single magazine form in All-Star Comics number 58 through 67 and DC special number 29. 1976 and 1977, yeah, so these are those issues of All-Star Comics. Um, I read the whole thing already, and it's so much fun. I, 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 don't, I don't know how I didn't stumble across this before. Um, evidently, there's only two volumes. I couldn't find the second one, um, and I, I went to my local comic shop to see if they had it, but I, they didn't have it either. Um, but it's got the writing talents of Paul Levitz and Jerry Conway. And there's art in here by Joe Staten, Keith Giffen, Wally Wood, and Rick Estrada. I mean, this is epic. I mean, this is this is Earth 2 Justice Society. This isn't like integrated into our Earth Justice Society. This is Earth 2 Justice Society. Which uh, Power Girl joins the team. Um, Star Spangled Kid joins the team. Uh, and who is the other? Uh, Robin, I believe, uh, joins the team. Hawkman doesn't have his, like, hawk uh, mask. He's got, like, a yellow mask with, like, a bird insignia on it. Like, there's no feathers or hawk beak on it, or it's not, it's not like a helmet or anything. It's almost like a luchador kind of mask thing. Um, some interesting villains I'd never heard of. There's a lot of Alan Scott and Jay Garrick and... And Wildcat and Doctor Fate and um, you know just you know Earth Two Superman and Earth Two Batman and Doctor Midnight and the Sandman and it's um, it's awesome. I really want Volume Two if I can find it somewhere for cheap. So that's it's it's good stuff. 
uh, highly recommend you seek that out. But um, in the meantime, you know, I've been talking for almost half an hour now, and I typically when I try and do these things, I just want to do a brief introduction so you guys don't have to listen to me yammer on before you finally get to the uh, reason why you, uh, you're listening to the, this episode in the first place, which is the audio interviews. Um, but Alamo City as a, as a whole, great location, lots of space. Uh, it was really crowded on Saturday, but not so, uh, not unnavigatably crowded. Um, uh, there was, uh, it was a, it was a good layout. There's some room for, for improvement, lots of places to sit down and go to the bathroom, get a drink of water. Um, you know, I've been to conventions before, so I thought ahead and packed our own lunches and stuff like that so we didn't have to pay convention prices for food uh, and things like that. And, uh, you know, it was uh, everybody I talked to, Katie, Scott, uh, Tom, Errol, McLean, Philip, um, Pat. I mean, everybody was extremely friendly, extremely nice. Uh, John Noble and Billy Boyd were extremely approachable. Um, I mean... Uh, you know, Jamie D uh, on Comic Geek Speak, who passed away about a year ago, a little over a year ago, uh, used to say that it was, you know, it was always very important to, um, you know, regardless of whether you're going to get a sketch or get something signed or, you know, if if there's a creator or somebody that you really enjoy, it's it's important to, you know, go up and thank them at least for their contribution to your fandom. Uh, and how, you know, just let them know uh, whether they accept it or not, uh, and most of them do, but whether they accept it or not, just let them know the impact they had on, on you, just because you never know. And, um, you know, I tried to impart that lesson a little bit to Gary over the weekend. Um, yes, we ended up buying a photo op with John Noble, and yes, he ended up paying for an autograph from Billy Boyd, but regardless, you know, it doesn't matter if we're not getting something signed or not saying... Um, or not getting a picture taken with them, you know, if, if they play as big of a part in your fandom as they say they do in term, in, as you say they do in terms of Gary's fandom of Lord of the Rings, you know, go up and say hi and just talk to them for a minute and say thank you. Um, and I'm glad we did because, uh, we had a really great conversation with, with John Noble on Friday and, and Billy Boyd on on Saturday, so uh, that was that was a really good experience, and definitely something we won't won't soon forget. Um, Yale Stewart was also there. Uh, Yale Stewart does the JL Eight comic, uh, the ones of the the Justice League characters in preschool kindergarten. Uh, I got uh, I, I I just stopped by his table and I, I said thank you for everything he does. Um, he told me that there's no Green Lantern arcs coming up in the near future, so, uh, for, for the JL8, but, you know, it's a great webcomic, I'm going to be reading it, regardless of whether Green Lantern is the focus of an arc or not, and so, you know, I picked up a, uh, a glossy print, uh, small, probably, like, five by six photo print of his, uh, Hal Jordan, uh, his rendering of Hal Jordan, um, and of course, we paid for that photo op with with uh, John Noble. Lots of great cosplay. I mean, it was just overall, guys. It was a really great show. Uh, I had heard things about uh, some issues here and there, but I kind of think that these are the things that you know, uh, early start to cons. You know, they they happen. You know, the, there are no cons out there that are perfectly flawless. And as long as things continue to get better year after year, I would love to keep going. Um, so. 
without further ado and without rambling senselessly uh, any further, um, I wanted to go ahead and just turn us over. First, you guys are going to hear uh, Philip Tan and I speaking on uh, on Saturday uh, with regards to his work on uh, Green Lantern, as well as uh, following that, you will hear the audio interview between me and Pat Broderick, uh, referring to his work on Green Lantern. And again, if you're curious about our other conversation with regards to Ragman, you can just go over to the pseudosouls.blogspot.com and read all about that if you're curious. Um, but uh, And after the Pat Broderick interview, we'll uh, round out the end of the episode with the audio from the Brett Booth and Andrew Dahlhouse panel. Um, so um, hope you guys enjoy. Thanks again to Philip, to Pat, to Pat's wife, who is extreme, also extremely nice, um, to Brett Booth, to Andrew Dollhouse. Uh, shout out to, to, to Katie Cook and Scott Collins and Tom Wynn, McLean McGuire, and, and uh, David Angelo Roman and uh, John Noble and Billy Boyd and, and the people that made the con what it was, and of course Alamo City Comic Con as a whole. Uh, I hope to see you guys there next year. Uh, if you're in the Central Texas area, I highly recommend you attend the con. Uh, and maybe we'll see you there. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy these interviews. As, and uh, as always, if you want to contact us, it's lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast at gmail.com. We also have a voicemail line. You can use that by dialing 708-LANTERN. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find us there by searching LanternCast on either of those. Uh, or any of those, uh, please use the hashtag GLCast to find us on all of those uh, and, uh, you know, post uh, conversational bits with us. Uh, and uh, as always, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and at www.lanterncast.com. Um, so thanks for listening, guys, and enjoy these interviews. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, guys, day two at uh, Alamo City Comic Con, and I'm sitting with Phil Tan. How you doing, sir? Hello, man. <laughs> hey, guys, how are you? I'm Phil Tan. Um, it's my first time here attending Alamo City Comic Con, and, you know, it's so far it's been a blast. Awesome. awesome. Did, you, did you have a good day today? I know we just talked about it, but a lot of business this past two days. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's, 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 it's pleasantly surprising how big the show is. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we, we just had a spawn panel, and, um, you know, there were... There were re- there were there were like fans that 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 are so into Spawn that I I can't imagine there are fans like that you know out here in Texas it's we're everywhere <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> well I wanted to ask you particularly about the Agent Orange arc and you did all all or most of the designs for the Orange Lanterns um I can't take credit for Larfleece because right. it is a team effort for to to create to create a an iconic character like that, you know. So it, it's it's Ethan and Jeff and, and myself. Um, it, it, we have to credit someone for Larfleece, but everyone else, you know, within the Agent Orange um, uh, a core, that that would be all me. Yeah, yeah. So the Agent Orange art was four four issues, and I mean the art, the, you you had the art duties on all of that. What was that like? Not only uh, you know being a part of working with Jeff, but like having this essentially a core all to yourself. In, in this massive event that what is coming called Blackest Night, which became a huge success. Well, it, it was absolutely scary because I, you know, I, I, I do not want to be the weakest link in in, 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 the, in the big event. But, but you know, joking aside, though, you know, it's it's very humbling and and, and it's it's a, it's such a great learning experience for me um, working with Jeff. 
um, it allowed me to grow artistically as a creator, you know, as, as a comic artist, and be able to to push myself in, 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 in to, to my artistic limits. So, so you know, it's 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 one of the best experiences I have working in comic books. Well, with the core, like so, Sinestro Corps, they're scary guys. You know, typically the art is a little scarier. Uh, Red Lanterns, more monster stuff like that. Black Lanterns, they're dead. They're zombies, stuff like that. Was there any sort of direction you had in your mind for what a kind of unifying look that the, Lan- the Orange Lantern Corps would have? I mean, I know they were all ghosts, if you want to call them that. But otherwise, was there any sort of design element you wanted to throw in there? Well, it's funny that you 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 brought up that question. I mean, for me. When you have to draw the embodiment of gluttony and and, and, and and greed and 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 everything that's just about me, me, and me, you know, Larvies has to look scary enough that you don't want him to be after something you have. Yeah. And 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 if he's a character like that, he he will have the 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 best of everyone else's. You know. So his crew can't be more flashier than he is. They right. can they can be all sorts of creatures, but they cannot be as iconic as Larfus himself. You know, and 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 it's tough because frankly when I first started I had no idea how to tackle it, you know, and, and I have to rely on, on, on the experiences from Jeff and, and Ethan and, and and really you know, do rely on them on, on to, to guide me in, in, in coming up with 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 the looks and the designs and, and you know, well, not the visuals itself, but at least you know thematically the the, the ideas, the inspirations, and in, in going forward with, with with drawing the book. Now, a lot of them had like uh, one of them was a giant head, and one of them had a big mouth. It's, it's things like you know, you said gluttony, you know, an insatiable hunger. You know, the things that define gluttony and, and greed kind of went into the artistic style. Big mouths, you know, stuff like that. That was actually accidental. It, it was it was just. It was just in my mind, like if you see a lot of them, a lot of them has like like missing appendages or 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 just incomplete features compared to a regular person. I mean, obviously, we all know that alien creatures could be anything, and they could perfectly be perfect in their world, and it just looks weird to us. But for me, he has to at least be less than a humanoid, the Larfleys, and that was the goal. And, and it was a happy accident that there were a lot of giant heads, or giant belly, giant you know, big mouths, and, and just eyes, or someone with no mouth but with, with other you know gigantic features. Those were happy accidents. It just right. it just well, I was lucky enough they fit into the whole thing. But the the, the big goal was to make sure that they can't be more complete than Larfleys because he is the one who should own it all. Right. So right. that was that was what's going through my head when I was designing. What about the stuff that Jeff had you do outside of the Orange Lantern Corps, like the reveal that the Guardians, you know, had Parallax in a box, you know, stuff like that? How are those aspects for you? They were a lot, they, they, I wouldn't say easier, but because of the amount of preparation that Jeff had me doing before that and led up to it, the transition, the, the flow into that part of the story was smooth. It, it was, it was, it was not as... Uh, a sudden, as when I first got in, and immediately I have to handle the whole orange core. Right, right, right. And at that point, you're coming off of a story where Hal has a blue and a green ring. 
what was what was that whole process like? You know, you you, you gotta have him. I mean, that, the ring is smarting off to him. And you're like, I, I wish you would shut up, you know, or something like that. Well, you, you know what? It's all Jeff. You know, yeah. it, it's it's you know, I, yeah, yeah. I hate to sound like what how everyone describes Jeff, but he is the genius that 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 was that was driving the, the vision of the of that book and the yeah. concept of the whole epic saga. Yeah. So, so he really took away a lot of the burdens from us artists because he was carrying it on his shoulders. Yeah. And, and, and that helped us. That helped us tremendously. How did he direct your art then? I mean, I, I know I know that Jeff was the mastermind of Black as I had a lot of philosophy going into that, you know, how different colors interacted with one another and what they meant and stuff like that. But when he's got, like, this massive vision, it's got to be a little different than your standard book. Like, how was, how was that? He, surprisingly, again, he, he's... he's he doesn't. He doesn't over control us. Yeah. It, it it really was a smooth transition when it comes to, uh, you know, tra- transferring the energy of, of 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 his script, the vision that he's got in his script, into the story because of the amount of uh, 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 things he's already set up. It was a lot easier for for the artist to go in and say, okay, there are these that has been prepared. These, these needs to be done, and I can rely on things that has been uh, uh, established before me to create this new thing. Right. You know, and, and that made things a lot easier. And, and I, I, I absolutely cannot say that Jeff directly, you know, uh, affected the artwork. But his ideas, his concept for the story, indirectly challenges, but also made us do our work in a certain way. Gotcha. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. sense. That makes you know? sense. And I, I don't, I don't want you to speak ill out of turn. So if you don't feel comfortable answering sure. this, you tell me. But since that, Larflees has become kind of a joke, like the butt of jokes and stuff like that. And in the, the four issues you did when he was introduced, you don't mess with him. Like he is the embodiment of a core, and he is. I mean, I don't want to use the word evil, but it's all I can think of. So, how do you feel about the how the character has been treated since then? Well, you know, evil is, is dictated by by what drives it. And, and their evil can be many kinds. He just happens to be the greedy kind. Yeah. You know? And if there are any other directions that, that another writer, aside from Jeff, you know, steered him to, that I actually personally haven't read that then. Yeah. You know? Uh, but maybe it was to try and see if he can hit that spot within the audience that might like you know the lighter mood or the the humor that comes with 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 a lot of the again happy essence that we got from or Orange Liner story yeah. because he was evil but he wasn't consciously making you laugh right. it was just the situations are so funny yes. that it happened so naturally right. you know um, and 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 if another creator felt like that could be an angle yeah I actually think. They should have. They did the right thing for exploring that angle. If it didn't work, hey, just do something. That, you know, just do something else. You know, next time. But if you never tried it, you will never know that that is an angle that might work or might not work. So, I think that's the right thing to do. I do think so. I mean, honestly, think that if you never tried it, then it will. You will never know. Well, I wanted to thank you for taking time out to talk, but I wanted to ask you, anything you have going on right now that you'd like to promote? Anything you have going, you know, projects that you have in the works? Uh, if people can contact you for commissions in the future through an email source or a website, you know, what do you have going on? Well, I 
I'm doing a lot of covers for DC. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a short run of Batman Beyond covers coming up, which I thought would be very different. Hopefully, you guys check it out. Yeah. Um, I have a image book coming out. I, you know, we have no solicitation yet, but we want to make sure that we have enough material before we um, announce and solicit the book. It's called Heaven. It's you know, it's written by James Robinson and drawn by myself. You know, we both co-created the story and, and co-created the characters in the world, and you know, um, hopefully, the experience would be something the readers would enjoy. Hope we're, another hopefully is going to be the release date, and it, hopefully it is January, but um, we're crossing my fingers. Yeah. Yeah, for those of you out there listening, James Robinson is doing this amazing thing right now called Airboy, and it's it's, uh, it's amazing. You should check it out. I have to say, I did not do any of those. No, 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 no. But I remember a lot of people were kind of down on James Robinson over the past couple of years because of JLA and stuff like that, and then he does Airboy, and it's Airboy is just, have you read it? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But I did not do that. No, 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 don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time out to do right, this. And well, thank uh, you so much. Um, you know, I, most most of the time I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Twitter, you know, Facebook. That, that that just became my official web presence. All right, awesome. so, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Philip. We really thanks, appreciate man. it. Yes, sir. Have a good one. You too. All right. It is Sunday, day three, four. Technically four. Thursday was preview night. Um, I didn't make that. <laughs> no, uh, so day four slash three of San Antonio Comic Con, and I'm sitting with Pat Broderick again, but you guys don't know that. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> Fine. I admire your ring. <laughs> Thank you. I actually wore a painting, as you can see. I need to get those paint flecks out of there, but whatever. My bad. Thank you. Um, so first and foremost, how's your con been? I know I've seen a lot of people going by. You, you, you did pretty well. It's been good. Good con. Good people. Had a good time. Wonderful time. I've always loved uh, Texas. Everywhere I've gone to in Texas. So yeah. hopefully we will be back again next year. Hopefully we maintain that uh, friendly attitude that everybody talks about when they come to Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk to you specifically about Green Lantern. Now, I know your run on Green Lantern was a couple issues here, a couple issues there. So, you know, uh, the, when the, the Apple Aliopsa went bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of wanted to ask you about that, that process. You, you'd been on Firestorm for a while and things like that, and now you come and do Green Lantern, and it's technically, yes, a team book, but it's also established characters in their own right with Jon Stewart and stuff like that. What was that transition like? Um, well, first and foremost, I've always been a Gil Kane fan, so I was very familiar with Green Lantern. Also, a Neil Adams fan, so I was familiar with Neil's run on Green Lantern. So when they asked me to start the series over with him again, I was uh, jumped at the opportunity to. And then what it was was they rotated the artists depending on the characters that they were drawing. My responsibility was Hal Jordan. Because Staten did um, uh, John's Stewart with the bow, bow cut. That'd be John's. Uh, oh, oh, the bow cut. Uh, Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner. Yeah, he did that guy in his North thing. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And uh, I think Mark Wright did the John Stewart. Right. Okay. So it was nice uh, being able to have the availability to, you know, do ten issues or twelve issues take a little break from it, you know, and then Joe and uh, Mark come in, they do their time, then I come back and I do another six to eight issues. Uh, my responsibility in my mind was to uh, 
Uh, basically, we were we were dealing with Hal Jordan, who was dealing with getting his head together. He quit the Justice League. He was done with the Justice League, and he wanted to go out and find himself again. And um, um, we were able to establish a lot of new directions with it, and also a lot of old characters. Uh, one issue where uh, Guy Gardner was involved with Hal Jordan, and the villain was the Tattoo Man. And it was a fun issue to do. You know? And that's the thing about the characters. Is they all have uh, wonderful supporting casts. And I got I got to ask because you said you're a big Neil Neil Adams fan. What was it like coming on to that series? And one of the first things you're doing is have old timer go insane. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it was it was fun. Uh, as, again, like I said, it, I was a Neil Adams fan, but I, I'd also I'd worked at Continuity, and Neil was uh, one of the first people that had taken me under his wing. So I was able to study under the man. Uh, the um, the Guardian losing his mind was, I felt, a very intriguing storyline, which eventually led into the setup for uh, Mosaic. Mosaic, exactly. Led into the setup for the Mosaic. So it was just all good. It was all good. I, Bruce Patterson was my anchor. We turned out, I felt, some very well uh, illustrated and polished stories. And, um, as you can see from my friends and things, I still love the characters. You know? For sure, for sure. Now, you, you said that every, people were in charge of different characters, you being Hal and, and the others splitting them up. Is that why when you, you came back for, like, there, because there's kind of, kind of odd, there were a couple of one-shot type issues. There was, um, what was the character right before Star Sapphire? Flicker. Flicker, yeah. Flicker. Can you, what can you tell me about Flicker? Was that... I'm not familiar with that. Was that something you designed? Was that something I des- you designed, or is that was that uh, recently I designed? But the writer, um, uh, just at the end of the day, my brain's having a hard time. The writer of the series came up with the character, and he was basically a bounty hunter, you know, and that uh, actually introduced Hal to characters that were later going to become the new Green Lantern, you know, the Green Lantern Corps. So it also allowed me to design some Green Lantern characters that also exist to today. You know, and I, I enjoyed it. it again, it, you know, I'm not repeating myself, but for me, you know, coming into the industry, probably just like all the other artists, all the other writers, who start off as fanboys. And I will publicly and proudly state that I'm still a fanboy today. You know, I, I just love the industry. So... Working with uh, the Flicker story was uh, very interesting. The, the stories that I, I like, I felt most connected with was like the first eight issues. Uh, we had a good solid team. My second run on it, uh, Bruce Patterson was an anchor. I had uh, Romeo Tangal, who was also a wonderful anchor. And uh, I, I get kind of... Uh, the creative team kind of becomes like a family too, you know. And it's kind of hard when you're in this creative industry and sometimes the family busts up, you know, due to either editorial decisions or to opportunities that may be offered down the road. Like I said, since we were on rotation, something else might come up and suddenly, you know, we have a member of the family that's left. And it's it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. 
one, one final question about the Green Lantern, because, you know, there's only so many issues that, that you do. I wanted to ask about the Star Sapphire stuff, because that was... Uh, Sapphire has had a history of being sometimes semi-lucid, <laughs> sometimes being insane, in this case, insane. Uh, and uh, you said breaking up the family. What was that? Because that was kind of your exit on that. So what, what was that? What was that, that? Those three issues like for you? It was it was kind of a sad uh, scenario for me because I knew at the end of the story run I was leaving because other projects were being offered. And I knew Star Sapphire's history, Carol's history, with Hal for from the beginning as a fan. Um, I kind of hoped that the woman would get her head straight, <laughs> you know, eventually. You know, basically, I kind of hoped she would get her head straight. Yeah, and it never happened for well, much later on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will, it was short, but I wanted to thank you so much for it. You know, it was it was a great run of books, especially you know you, you came back with a number one, and it was it was right out of the gate. It was awesome, especially coming off the firestorm. It was a nice transition for a firestorm fan to. Yeah, you know, it was. It, I, I liked it. It, um, it seemed like it was something for fun, you know. Like it wasn't. It was a steady long run. Yeah. But it was like you like these characters and you get to play in that world. Yeah. And I felt that it showed it in the in the book. Yeah. I mean, we put out a good quality product, and the sales uh, um, um, the sales backed it up. I mean, the fans supported it, so it was it was good. It was good. Well, I wanted to thank you for taking the time out, and thank you again for everything you've I've said it already so, to you several times throughout this con, but thanks for everything you've done for it, and fandom in general. But uh, before I let you go, anything you want to promote, your website, if, how people can contact you? Yeah, uh, my website, uh, com. I've been exploring the uh, uh, folklore of the ancient Sumerian gods, so I have uh, four issues up in that of the creation lore. Uh, the basically Nibiru and the legend of the Anunnaki, and uh, also a very nice uh, cover gallery, and I could be contacted through that site. Uh, also, I'm on Facebook, and uh, I do have an upcoming project, but right now I'm under a uh, a uh, non-disclosure agreement. But I can say that it's uh, it's a it's a different direction for me in uh, the stories I've done before because I'm, I'm doing a, a, a series on the mob in Chicago in the 70s. And I uh, should have the first script ready for me when I get back. Awesome. Well, we look forward to fresh Pat Browderick artwork. And as soon as the, um, I get the freedom to show the samples, I'll be popping them up on Facebook. Uh, but it's um, it's a mob hitman with a twist. Awesome. Can you say the publisher or no? No, not yet. I'm doing it for a creative house out in California. Okay. And they negotiated with a publisher, and they and they are a well-known publisher. But I I can't say anything about that until uh, Obi Company. It's Obico until they make the announcement first. Got it. All right. Well, we'll just keep an eye out. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time. And say hello to Shag for me. <laughs> Will do. It's the only way I got this interview. <laughs> Reading Teen Titans? <laughs> the, the things that Teen Titans are like, they're both there with a whole lot of family. Uh, yeah. uh, I guess because that's the last thing they thought we were working on. Was Teen Titans. Yeah. You're on Flash now, right? We're on Flash now, yeah. Uh, you take over right after... Uh, 
Francis? Yes. Uh, it was probably like, I think it start, stopped at like 25. Yeah, Francis stopped, but Brian was still uh, riding. Brian, uh, Brian was still riding, and I think yes. over at 30. I like what, I mean, I, I haven't read Flash in a long time, but I like what Francis is doing with, like, the way Oh, yeah, it's beautiful stuff. Yeah. The way he, like, just incorporates Incorporates it. the logo. And, yeah. Yeah, no, he's, I love his stuff. Yeah. So. It had, like, a James Bond opening feel to it. Uh, was it Campbell did that with Danger Girl? Incorporated the logo into the weird opening stuff. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. No, it's 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 a, it's a it's a classic thing to do. And they did it in a, a lot of old comics, I remember. Yeah. So. so go ahead. What do you want to know? Just, just shut up. Obviously, Sinestro. I was actually offered. I was actually offered Sinestro. Yes. You were offered the Sinestro solo title. A while ago. I told him to do it, but he didn't want to do it. <laughs> Sinestro wasn't in it. He wasn't in it, yeah, the first seven issues he wasn't in it, so... Go ahead, keep going. So there was no Sinestro, so I was like, yeah, I haven't drawn him before. Hello, how are you? Hi, sir, I'm glad to meet you again. Yes, nice to see you, too. Hello, big fan, you small and cozy, so if you guys have questions, just go right ahead. They offered you the Sinestro time, and you turned it down. Yeah, well, he wasn't in it. I'm not going to draw Sinestro without Sinestro in it. It was the Gale of Lantern. It was uh, sort of like the Sinestro core. He was going to come in eventually. Oh. But the core, it wasn't going to be part of it. He was part of the Green Lantern at the time. Yeah. So that was like the first draft. It, there's always multiple drafts. I read a couple, a couple Booster Gold pitches a couple years ago. That were any pitches. Like, hey, you got anything? Hey, we got this. You want to read it? Did you read it? Yes or no? I like that. I don't like that. If we change this, will you do it? That was a lot of fun. Yeah. They want, that story was, uh, I just started at DC. I had done... <laughs> I, brought, I dragged Andrew with me. I had done, uh, what was it? Full uh, Tales of Blackest, Blackest Night. Night. Yeah. You know, Eddie Brigands, I said, hey, can you do these two eight-pagers for me? On Tales of Blackest Night with the Scarecrow, uh, Power Girl Hunter's story. And then, like, while I was, just started the part, I did the first issue of the pages. I did it in, like, a week. Because uh-huh. I hadn't walked at DC or Marvel or any big company. I didn't make a good impression, so I busted my butt. Turned it in a week. They gave me the Power of the Hunters thing. Like two days after I started that, Eddie emails me and he says, Hey, would you be interested in drawing this? Contact him, because I have no idea who Laura Fleas is. <laughs> like, Who's Laura Fleas? And he's like, Should I do this? And he's like, Yes, yes. I don't think about an oath that no one knows about or something like that, the orange, yeah. orange blanket yeah. oath. Yeah. And maybe they'll have that in there. And so I started working on that. I got it like, three pages. We did the first three pages for a while. Hey, uh, why don't we do? I was supposed to do a Jade's one shot after that. And it turns out, uh, I was like, hey, when are you get the plot? He's like, yeah, yeah, soon, soon. And then, like, 20 minutes later, he goes, hey, uh, change of plans. We're not doing the Jade thing anymore. Oh, okay. I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just Googling some stuff. And he's like, Google Gorillas. I was like, no. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to draw a bunch of gorillas from Gorilla City. And that's exactly what it was. <laughs> it was the uh, Starman Kong Gorilla special. So I not only had to draw gorillas from Gorilla City, I got Kong Gorilla. Yeah, so, but you know, I got to meet, I work with James Robinson, which was a lot of fun. And then I started, started drawing that. They're like, hey, I want to take over Justice League of America. Okay. So, in fact, the Lar Fleece cover was actually something we did on 
Yeah. And Eddie saw it and was like, we want hadn't drawn the I don't, I've the never drawn the character before. The one with the Christmas tree? Not, not the, the Gene Ha one, that was the other one that yeah, we gave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was funny. How did you pick for the unsolved tales? I emailed them. Like I don't know. I emailed them. Yeah. I, like, yeah, I had no idea what any of that was. <laughs> I, had read, I hadn't read any of the comics in like 10 years. So uh, I can ask, what's this untailed that black is nice? Paddling it all off because he's read he's all the stuff in my database. <laughs> I'm a pro that still reads comics. He's my Google, yeah. <laughs> Most pros that read comics anymore, yeah. I still do. So yeah. I keep up with anything. I think they put him on the A-pager because it's the easiest thing to transition back into. It's not full issue. Yes. It happens. Yeah. Well, I guess it was an easy thing because it was available and you wanted to put him on. It, probably, it might have been a story that we need to get the story done for this book that's supposed to go out in a couple of weeks. I just emailed you. you know, they always go. list certain artists and they say various. Except yeah. Hughes when that was various. various. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the stuff for the library stuff? Yes. Recipes and stuff? Oh, is that? Well, I didn't do that. That was Jeff's recipe. Stuff. Well, well, like the art for Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like the only thing I didn't we didn't do is I was there was supposed to be another page. Uh, we were that book was we did most the majority of that book like a week and a half. Uh -huh. I'm like my car I'm getting at the shop getting my car fixed and I'm drawing on the side of, of, of the road because of wind. So they asked me, is there anything we can do? You know, each story, a glomulus story. And wanted to draw, but yeah. I wasn't going to be able to. It was, it was just, uh, the yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Mark Franco. Yeah, there you go. And. Uh, so that I was like, well, there's this, and there's this ornament page. I'm not going to be able to do that. So they just like, took some of the art that I had already done and just put it on the ornament. Everything else, like uh, a, a maze. I had the original maze, uh, they didn't like it. <laughs> I drawn it all out by hand. And, it would, and he's like, oh, he, I turned it in. And he's like, oh, could you do something that looks more like the Larflees symbol? So I actually made that on the computer. Oh, I created the maze in Photoshop. Characters that I had drawn on the other page and put them on that. Because because uh, it has like, the abominable snowman from Rudolph uh, right, and those Rangers. Oh, is that the page I had? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was I was worried that I was like, they Warner Brothers owns this, right? And so I googled it to make sure. Yeah, I should be able to get away with that. Like oh, that. really? Yeah. That's like cool. One of the background comics. You I used to do that stuff all the time. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. It's it's sad. Like every now and then you have like Peter Parker kind of walking in the back of you know, the Daily Planet or something, vice versa. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, in the Wildcats issue, uh, Jim did Martin and Voodoo go on. So it's just like a couple panels on a page. That's it. That was funny. And stuff that we don't, we can't, we can't do anymore because of the uh, copyright infringement laws and all these. I'm saying at the same time. Yeah. Oh, the Valentine's Day. The Valentine's issue. A Rage Kitty Valentine's Day. Yeah. And it never happened. That was uh, I read somewhere that that was uh, based on his cat. Yeah, he did the original. Yeah, it was on his cat. So he should be doing it. Yeah. I actually wanted to do one with Glomulus and Kid Flash. No, they accidentally kill Santa Claus. Yeah, that's and right. Glomulus. Like something like that. And but Bart's there, and they so Bart takes the reins of the sleigh, and he runs around the world, so Glomulus can deliver all the presents. <laughs> that was the story. <laughs> it was supposed to be just totally not serious and fun. I don't know. I, I love watching Kid Flash. It's bad, and I just the only thing I like about Flash. You can go. You can go. You can. Go. Hello. It's very small and intimate. <laughs> <laughs> We're just asking random questions. Hi. Like um, the guy from Back in the Future. That's the only thing I like about Flash. He can go in time. 
and he, he, he's not like the flash. He, he can do everything he wants to do. But he, Thank you. The only sad part, I don't like you get mom get killed. That's the only sad part about it. Yeah, that wasn't, that was a uh, retconned in. Jeff? Yeah, Jeff with the uh, Flash Rebirth. Yeah. Is that before that? Yeah. She was actually in some of the issues. I was watching the Flash TV show and everyone was alive. The, the original one? The original one. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> his dad, yeah, his dad. He had a brother. He had a brother. And yeah, that wasn't an original show. No. no. Joe, you're all really yeah. cool? How was that? Did everybody nah. know you did? Um, I wish we could have done things a little differently, but, you know. I don't have so much control. Yeah. Uh, really, even would like they had to get us but uh, the hair was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, um, when they originally asked me, I was still around. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because uh, the fairy works better as a television show than Wally. Because you know you have the whole CSI aspect of fairy. Wally doesn't have any of that. He's just a superhero. Yeah. He didn't have a day job. Yeah. No, he wasn't. He that was rich initially. He was a rich initially. Like, yeah. Ten issues until his money was embezzled. At one point, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, he was public. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Oh, I thought he had his kids because I didn't like his kids. I pushed him for stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't like those kids. <laughs> and I loved him all the way, so I hated the kids storyline. Well, yeah, I don't like his his, his, uh, his, his kids. I, was, I, was, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I think they kind of shoved them on us because yeah. they didn't gradually grow up. They just, like, she came from the future with... She like went to the future or something. Usually, when they do that, the, the kid starts out as a baby, and then yeah. he comes back in the future as an adult. Yeah, that's, so, not, that's the normal, one. the normal way of doing it. Exactly, like cable. Yeah, yeah, wasn't a fan of the kids. That's yeah. why they didn't stick around very long. Well, not the kids, but yeah. Max Mercury and Jay Garrick. Like, oh yeah, I love yeah. that. Wally was the Flash. There was more of that. Yeah, I'm trying. You know, trying pushing them towards more of that kind of well, stuff. Well, hopefully they'll do it because they're bringing in. The whole kitchen sink in season two of the TV show. <laughs> everyone's in that. Yeah, everyone's in that. So. so Jay, Jesse, Quick, Wally, they even bring in Patty, and so. Oh, Patty Yeah, yeah. She's a, she's gonna be a police officer though. Was that kind of relationship? Uh, Marcus, uh, Marcus Francis, and uh, Brian Grier. Yeah. They wanted to shake up the relationship things, so yeah. But classic Superman and Lois coming back. They're in the new 52. Uh, the whole convergence thing. Oh, like there's. They uh, ended up and they're like they're like hiding in the new 52. Uh, that's the the book that Lee Weeks and Dan Jurgens are doing. The Lois and Clark Superman that's coming out. That's what it's all about. Because I know that Lois. Yeah. Shocking! I did not know that. Even though I read on yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a good thing his parents are dead, so there's no one for bad guys to go after. I mean, yeah. if Ma Kent was still around, she'd be kind of pissed off about Jimmy it. Jimmy Olsen is screwed now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's, it's always been fairly editorial yeah. at Marvel and DC. From the uh, stories I've heard. The creators, yeah. they, they have the free reign, but you have to basically you have to prove your worth with them. And then there's certain things, because these are, aren't just... Uh, they're, they're corporate stockholders. <laughs> you can't mess up the status quo yeah. too much. It's like they'll let you screw around with it a little bit, but it has to kind of go back, yeah. just in case. You know, when they kill Batman, you know, it's yeah. like a year, and I mean, always oh, back in time, he's coming back. Yeah, that's where everything always reverts back. Yeah. I mean, Steve Rogers is not going to be an old man forever before 
Yeah, eventually he'll become. Eventually, the super serum is going to do something miraculous. I think that was, young the, that was the one thing so. with Wally West that made him so special. He he was the one character that took over and didn't get shoved back, and the, the other one brought back. In. Fairy had the best death in superhero. Well, he stayed dead for a long well, yeah. than anyone else. I mean, and I mean, it was a ghost in that when Spider-Man died and Doc Ock took over, he was, he was, I mean, Peter was in heaven or something talking to him. He wasn't technically, but he was in the book. Yeah. The character back in. They've even figured out how to. Not keep Jean Grey dead, but keep her dead at the same well, time. He was supposed to be dead for a while. Well, he was the longest dead character. Yeah, he was a long time. <laughs> Technically, Jean Grey is dead, but not dead. So, well, no, they brought her from the past, and she's in the current timeline. Yeah, the original X Men. Like two Ice Men, two Beasts, two Cyclopses. Bills. <laughs> Ice Men in the past is gay, but Ice Men in the future isn't. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jean Grey kind of like called him out. She like outed him to himself. She like read his mind and was like, "You're gay." He's like, "What?" He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, he was kind of pissed off about it because <laughs> it was the teenage Jean Grey. Uh, it was weird. The television show? No, they were, I don't know. The show or the Justice League? Are they I, still doing that? Um, they're doing the Teen Titans Go. Well, no. I mean, the, the television show. Yeah, they talked about it, but. No, they started, uh, they did like pre production and they're working on the script over the summer. I think I heard. Uh, no, TNT. There Just waiting on uh, how to go and to read the first drafts. There might be some issues. You never know. I don't know who that. I, I heard. That they're going from what I read that they're going with the original um, Marvel one one. Those were I don't know if all of them, but I'm sure they'll probably. I'm sure Cyborg won't be in there. Cyborg probably won't be in there. He won't be in there because they don't want to. Probably don't want to. Since he's going to have a movie and stuff. Yeah, they dropped the hints, but they they probably won't do it. But not Green Lantern. Or if they do anything, it'll be Guy Gardner, not Hal Jordan. Uh, Yeah, they're just hinting at that, but they're not going to. It'd be really, really expensive to do. Well, the numbers on TNT doesn't have to be the same as CBS. That's true. CBS, they're going to need at least 10 million. TNT can survive on 2 million or 3 million. Constantine was doing like as well, uh, if not better, than The Flash. Right, but it was on, it was on, on NBC. NBC. Yeah, the network considered failure. Yeah. Yeah. Supergirl? No. Here, no, I think no, because the CW president said they're not doing any more superhero TV shows over there. Doesn't want it to become the DC channel. I wouldn't mind, so, that, but yeah, okay. I do understand. You know, okay, he wants, he wants to go back to their roots of being a vampire. Well, vampire Diaries is a good show, and the originals is better than the Vampire Diaries. That's what I heard. Yeah, the originals a lot better because it doesn't have the teeny bopper drama and music and crap. So it's a lot better. It's more mature than. Vampire Diaries, but the mythologies that they have is very good, though. Forever Forever Night. Night. (laughs) It has a good mythology on Vampire Diaries, the show. And how they're made, and how they explain witches and werewolves and everything. Yeah. Yes. I insulted. When I first watched Twilight, we felt it was a 
a pilot for a CW show, and then I saw Vampire Diaries, and I take it back, like, Twilight's a lot worse than huh. W show. Like, did you like, uh... When it gets brutal, it gets it's brutal in violence. It's very graphic, too. Not, not the latest book, the, uh, the movie. Tom Cruise won the other one. Oh, Queen, Queen of the Dam? Yeah. It's got a great soundtrack. Yes, I it like does. that movie. I mean, it's a guilty pleasure. It's it is. I watched it the other day. <laughs> I don't hate every watch. It's good. They have a lot of elements from the book in there. It's just, it was two books crammed into one hour and a half movie. Yeah, and Rice's son is uh, writing the screenplay. And Rice is working. That might be there. Yeah. Her son is writing this. I think they're going to do The Vampire of the Stack or something as the first. I love that book. That was a good book. Very interesting. I always want to see Lestat's mom. That's just kind of very dysfunctional. <laughs> She's a horrible mother. <laughs> I love the breath of this kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I talked about dinosaurs for an hour earlier, so. <laughs> that was good. That was fun. Uh, apparently, the. Uh, in in uh, Halley they took Ankylosaurus was the favorite dinosaur by three votes. Ankylosaurus? It's the tub tailed one. Oh, like, yeah, like what's the end of the Stegosaurus the tail called? What's the end of the Stegosaurus tail called? I know what it is. What's it called? Tagomizer. No, I don't know that. It's a from a Farsight cartoon. No one, it didn't have a name until someone said, oh, it's called it a thag. So, <laughs> so paleontologists thought it was funny and they called it a thag. You haven't read the Teen Titans comics? No. I haven't read the current series. No, no, I know. But back, back, you know, well, that's what I do is digital or DC. I, I did DCBS. Until my wife told me to stop buying comics, so I went digital. <laughs> so now I just bought my iPad. It was two ninety nine. There you go. Well, I, can, I can go back and you guys here. I'm sure we'll find some. Well, it's two ninety nine. If you wait two months, it drops a dollar. Yeah, they're like a dollar ninety nine on Comicsology. First issue is ninety nine cents. Also, and character designs. That was uh, at the very beginning of the new yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 So Jim. Couldn't take a quick handle of the design. They just took on Superboy, and so they said, "Hey, can you well, decide what like we wanted?" The twenty designs for her. She had. No, no. No, we 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 finally decided. Well, let's put her in like these. Like, God didn't want to go with the Greek mythology, so we did. I did just gauntlets and stuff. Messing with a couple things because my gauntlets are from uh, uh, Triton. And maybe it's fun. So, just to kind of, we're having these hard, horrible arguments about the costume. Not give her costume. I hate doing that, but Superboy has a costume in this, so we're not just giving him a t shirt and jeans again. He has a costume that Jim designed, so we'll just. Scott wants to go something completely different to last costume and then Wonder Woman costume. Or DC's having a big pitch meeting, drawing this initial piece that was just supposed to be for the pitch meeting that they used for all the ads. Wonder Girl had this idea for a costume. Sends me the design. Basically, kind of cross between uh, similar to like Bandex part. Yeah, it was just it was just a red spandex. He wanted to change that. You know, like Wonder Woman's kind of bust cut and everything. Go across the top. And uh, that's basically where the, where the costume came from. It was like a last minute decision off the gym. Jim, is this okay? Can we go with this? It was just for the pitch meeting, so we're like, eh, it's not that big a deal. Then 
Andrew calls it up like 30 minutes, 30 minutes right before the meeting starts. Him emails me afterwards, oh, I love this stuff. Yeah, I'm thinking about changing Red Robert's wings. I didn't really like them. And Scott wanted wings, and I wanted a cape, and I kind of trying to figure out a fairly decent compromise. But I didn't think of what I wanted to do with it. I was like, no, no, I like them. Keep them. So I like oh, I got feathers. It reminded me of a story. I, <laughs> you know, I was like, I wonder if someone has these before. We no, no. Feathers of Red Robert. <laughs> uh, just a roller. Well, they, they've evolved. Like how they looked initially, they're a lot longer and they don't feathery like they did in that promo. That's what the first time I drew them. So yeah. Originally, he was supposed to have the cowl. Red Robert was supposed to have the cowl. Like Everything modified. Hair. Kid Flash's costume <laughs> was modified. And Everything modifies. And as you draw it, it modifies, too. His line doesn't quite work where it was head-shaped. So you can think the funny thing about that is no one, because they were designed separately, no one really realized until afterwards that everyone has a red in their costume. Yeah, all the, all the, the color, like everyone had pretty much had red, so that's why Bunker kind of stood out. Yeah, we, we, we did, did, I think like, did like ten different versions of Bunker. Yeah, so the colors yeah. on that guy. Cause that was Scott did the design. Scott created the basic design. I even messed around with it a little bit. I sent it in to Jim. Jim's like, huh? Maybe we do kind of stuff here and there. And look, no, that's okay. So. Kind of went with that. You know, like, oh, well, we can change the costume later because it's like the costume his mom made, so it's not, it's not to be that perfect. And I think actually what Kenneth Rockerberg actually turned in on his run of Titans actually worked way better. So <laughs> bunkers and costume. Yeah. yeah, he managed to basically pull in what nobody else was kind of grasping for stuff at the time, and he managed to kind of pull it all together. And that's you know a lot of times what the costume designs are. <laughs> a little bit here, a little bit there, maybe a little. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, for the longest time, I think what the First seven issues, Kid Flash basically had a homemade costume. Then he stole Red Robin's. Yeah, that was my idea. Costume. Yeah, that was my idea. He stole that from Robin's about what he wore until uh, yeah. his powers went all wonky. And he got that a cost this current costume from Static. Yeah. Static yeah, costume for some. Scott wanted to make that a running gag where he never actually gets a costume. He just kept stealing other people's old costumes, old costumes <laughs> and modifying them. <laughs> Well, basically, it's, it's, it's a little, well, it's kind of similar, but a little different. Well, Starfire, well, she wasn't a teenager anymore, yeah, and so that's why they could explore all the... Well, like, like the character changes. Oh, okay. Did Batman die? Well, they didn't know each other, that's the thing. Yeah. That's like, going back, basically, because uh, originally, Scott and I... 2001 was them all coming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So originally, we were, when they asked me about this, about time, we, were, we weren't sure if we were going to do 101 or read the new series, or just continue the old series. Yeah. God had actually written a really great, a great, a great script about yeah. um, there, and then they were basically kind of understanding. And then something happens in San Francisco, and then it, but then uh, it was a great script. And uh, but then they decided they wanted to, to do the, the not loves to think out of the box and do different and weird things with the characters. Sometimes it's well received, sometimes it's not. Um, basically, you're taking these characters that have been friends that everybody. You know, expects to be friendly to each other and knows each other. Basically, shows them all back together, and nobody knows anybody. And then adults, well, Titans fans are expecting them to basically just immediately bond and have friendships again. These are characters, so their interactions are going to be different. Yes. Oh well. Well, one hundred and two thousand copies. So it came together as a team. Like reading that book, working on it, remind me of X Men two thousand ninety nine, where they never really as a team. They just kind of sort of. 
happened to always it started to be like, around seven. each other. And By the time the issue seven came around, they they just they rescued Superboy. They were kind of ended that. They were kind of a team, and then only took place and off of the book for a couple months to do this annual to kind of start the culling off, which someone else was supposed to originally draw, but I guess couldn't draw. I haven't gone to school once. Uh, <laughs> no. I don't think I don't think Tim Drake needs to go to school. But some of the other ones, yeah. Yeah. On the road, there's three issues. Rogue's going to be showing up uh, for 47. Most of them. Most of them, yeah. Yeah. I think they've ever had them all together, except for like, Forever mini-series. Evil. No, they had a miniseries, a Rogue's miniseries or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Well, the only Rogue story they did was after, during Forever Evil. That a rogue story. No, there was one before. Well, I'm talking like before. Oh, I don't remember. Much easier for that cover that I have to draw. (laughs) (laughs) That's really all I. That's all I know. I have. I'm starting issue 46 next week. The Zoom 47. Rogue's arc is three issues. After that, I don't know what's going on. I don't think that picks it to 50, so it'll be from 51 on. Yeah. Yeah. Once a year. We just had one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, slash annual four. Only did, only did the cover on that one. Heard to miss a Teen Nightwing, but I miss Teen Titans more than I. That's the bad thing about digital. Like, I buy them as they come out, but I don't read them as I buy them. <laughs> so, my iPad is full of books I need to read. Not really superhero, but it's a spy book. So. Well, all the stuff he didn't do as a superhero is a lot of. Sexual. It's basically James Bond with Dick Grayson. So right now, on <laughs> Young Bash. I sure did. And are you bringing Young Justice back? Because I, I love the cartoon. I, I just actually just watched like the first half of the last season the other night. Um, no, they're probably not going to bring the, car, the cartoon back. It's just if they do bring something, it'll be something new. It's, it's, it's been too long, twice. really. I know, you know, unless it's something like with the. Young Justice go. Young Justice went. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that that's the the reason that, that kind of stuff just generally that doesn't happen. It, it yeah. might, but the sales never were really. Uh, I like that Legion cartoon. The, the viewer they rating. Young Justice is extreme. Oh, the the toys. The toys. Yeah, that's the, the problem. <laughs> the first season I didn't like. Second season was a vast improvement on the first one. But they never like the Legion cartoon. They had no, they had one where they had that Superboy in it, and that wasn't horrible. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see that Gods and Monsters? I did see that. Oh, it was great. Like that's actually. Oh, it's darker than you than you expect, but it was really good. I watched like three times. The uh, Batman Harley Quinn thing made me shudder when I watched it online. I was like, oh. <laughs> but I hadn't seen those yet because it wasn't on the DVD, I guess. Yeah, the, the, the Superman thing. No, the, like the stuff they put on Machinima. Yeah, I guess yeah. it, it was on the DVD. No, 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 no. I, I, I didn't see it. You didn't see those previews where like, Superboy. No, I did. Oh. The, the kid that like I actually was, made me want to tear up. I didn't his, know what was going on. I was like, this is not Superman. And then I realized. Well, it was about it was yeah, God's like, kid. Ah, that makes sense. It was very depressing that thing with him and the kid in the bubble. Yeah. No, he killed him. He killed him. Yeah. He he out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh it's an alternate 
um, it's, universe. It's, it's, it's Zod's kid. Uh, Zor-El, Zor it's Zod's kid. Uh, yeah. And Batman is a vampire. He's, he's uh, uh, Kurt Langston. Kurt Langston, yeah. yeah. He's, he's so instead of becoming Bat Man Bat, he yeah. becomes Batman. Yeah, he becomes... I thought that was kind of a cool twist. Yeah. Who's Wonder Woman? Cause I'm Wonder Woman is uh, obscure Becca. Becca from uh, New Gods. Becca from New Gods. Oh, that's right. She's Becca yeah, she had the New Gods. Right yeah. Oh, is she? Oh, I can. Uh, on Sinestro. Uh, on Sinestro. Reading. I didn't like the art at first, and then they all kind of came on because it's it's darker. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then Rags. And then Brad. Brad turned around and he tried to change. I was like, oh. The bad guy. Yeah, it, it works. But he's he not a bad out. guy. You know? <laughs> but his daughter works stuff out. No. She's, she's not in love for Father's Day. I, I, I don't know what I, I, don't know what I can spoil. Oh, you can, I don't care about spoilers. She's right now. Oh, really? Yeah. He gave her a... Uh, so, do you... I saw the preview for the issue coming up and some kid got a ring, so you don't have to instill fear to become a member anymore? No. Oh, okay. Because it seemed like he was innocent and scared of she, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just the Sinestro Corps is the only Lantern Corps running around right now? So oh, wait. At the end of that series, it was White Lantern. No, I was oh. reading Lobo, and Sinestro hired Lobo to go and kill. He was wiping out the uh, Purple Lanterns, the Nut guys. I haven't read this. Story. Yeah, he's, he there, killed right? um, the Nut, the guy with the... Monk? Yeah. He was killed... Yeah, he killed him, and he's going after the he leader. Killed. Yeah. Nestor hired him to go wipe them out because of the whole draining the the reservoir thing. Yeah, and no, Colin is writing that one too. Colin's doing really good. I couldn't get that issue. He didn't. Really that. He just did a issue of uh, Sinestro. He didn't like my design. <laughs> you don't like Billy Tanzer. I like. What was your design? Um, he like, had. He looked more alien. He looked more like a centaur. He actually was like. He was like. An, they wanted him to look like an alien. So, or they, they, they told me they wanted an alien from another universe, so I kind of went... I had it so his torso could come off separate from his legs. Kind of his old... And, uh, so he, and he had, like, I think, I think he had something underneath that insect-like, uh, much more alien. I'm out of ideas. Any more... I have them on a couple on my computer. Huh. Maybe they publish them as... Also I have probably them. the trade. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. lot of character designs. It's just like, you know, they don't, they don't give you anything like that. It's so cool. And it's so vague. And he turns to Hill. And like, yeah, just update it and make it look cool. So I update it and make it look cool. It's like, oh no, he's supposed to be from a horror movie. Like, well, gee, thanks for not telling me that until afterwards. <laughs> Is there a two designs when I watch the Devil Yeah. Dr. Fate was pretty cool, except for the color. They use it, but they design I had the color of blue in the Samara design. Similar, yeah. Not blue. I think that was uh, the art of the Flash. No, Hal Scott. Oh, you mean the one, the, oh. the one, uh, on the Earth 2, on the Earth 2 title? I think that was, he redesigned that when one? Nicholas Scott was drawn, right? Yeah. Um, it was like, an, it was more like I a think, uh, Joe Prado drew that one. I think that's Joe Prado's design. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Although, the, some of the costumes they have a problem with now. I don't think I could draw that. Unless, unless you do unless Justice Society in the 40s, you have to change those costumes. I guess. That's just Jim's. Yeah, I, I didn't like the Hulk either. So Nicola doesn't like the Hulk either. No one likes the Hulk. She helmet. tried to change it. We've all tried, we've all tried to change the helmet, and I think the new guy actually changed it. He did change the helmet, yeah. I'll say. Jorge, Jorge. Jorge, yeah. Well, I thought it'd be more 
influenced by the god. It's kind of weird because, yeah. like, he got the powers and that's the suit that appeared, which... He literally it, the powers Yeah, you thought he'd have more Roman influence in the... This looks like a superior costume, not something our god would wear. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I, I turned into design for that. Uh, well, after Lush, he did the majority of everything after the first... Yeah, not even just the first I did, issue. Uh, I got a, uh, Adam Smasher, Fuck Girl, Operator Eight Guy, Sandman. Did you do the Sandman? Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the the Rot, the Avatar of the Rot. They never colored him quite right because like, they didn't never look at any corpses. It's like the whole point of him was he was supposed the to. The coloring he turned in was disgusting. <laughs> He's had like pink and purple and yellow rotted parts all over. Like, they caught him like gray. They caught him gray. They go, oh, come on, man. Well, I mean, Nicola drew it with she drew the spot. Yeah, That's supposed that's to be there just in color. Dr. Fate. My parents are to have a blue outfit because the royal blue of Egypt. Funny, but, you know, not the same. But apparently. No. That escaped me. A couple more. That woman. Yeah, I did a Catwoman. I think that's why. Yeah, I, I, that's what it was. I didn't Catwoman in, and I based her kind of Catwoman costume because she was with Batman. There were two Batman Catwomans. Turned it in, and they go, oh, no, we want to go with the face mask from the, uh, the television series. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And they're like, what? Yeah, and I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I was like, get someone else to do that. I'm not going to make characters. She hasn't had that costume in like years. 30, 40 years. So why should we go back to that? It's just like a step back. That was, did you do the newer? I did Wonder Woman. Okay. I like that Batman costume. I don't mean the first oh, one. Oh, you mean no, that, that was uh, Andy Kubert, I believe. Okay. Red one? The black and red one. The Dick Grayson one? Yeah. Val Zod? Yeah. I, I, well, now it's like when I started doing Flash, I think all, these, all the character designs. Did you do Red Tornado? What was Red Tornado? did Red Tornado design for a Teen Titans spin off book they would never use. But. That's pretty much just a female Red Tornado. <laughs> they didn't really do much change to it yeah, at all. So. Or oh, yeah. Uh, we have another chance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you going to do uh, I would love to. And I have asked them. I've asked them to do a Flash of Three Worlds. I've asked them. Uh, no, uh, no, Jake Wally Jarrett. West, Jake Garrett, and uh, Barry Allen. Barry. Oh, okay. Just the, the Wally. Like the crime technically, the Wally that came back in time for the Future's End is not part of that Future's End world. If you actually look at them, there's no, there's nothing destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> well, that Wally is a meta. He's not. He doesn't get his powers from the Speed Force. Okay. The issue with Francis Barry was running. He goes, oh, you're not tapping the Speed Force. You're not. That's the Bart. Speed Force. Not, Bart. Not Wally. Not, not Wally. Not, not that guy. Yeah. Not that guy. I, I wanted to have multiple flashes just for the different yeah. worlds because they don't. Classic flash issue. I was like, well, it's, you know, like, with the multiverse is opening up, why can't we play with those? As far as I don't know. No. I mentioned that. That was, uh, I kind of thought they were going to make future flash. Cobalt Blue, but they didn't. Probably because I was hoping they were going to keep that a secret longer, but <laughs> then they didn't. Yeah, one issue. Hey, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping up the suspense a little bit. Yeah, I was hoping screw shoot, but I guess it would be kind of on the nose. With the I don't think they'll do Cobalt Blue. I don't think it'll be Barry's twin if they do do it. Yeah, that cool idea, but I don't think they're going to do it. Yeah, and he had that weird wing logo thing. Yeah, the John series. Oh yeah, yeah. Cobalt Blue is. Oh, is that what they called him? No. no. They called him Cobalt Blue, but he was supposed to be. Okay. I'm going to walk around. Yes. Hunter, um, can I ask you a question? Are you going to do one of those? I have asked, and they said no. It's up to editorial. 
Yeah, they're getting Batman out of the Batman office right now. That's just like Justice League or just like a few issues. Because I think look, look, one of them's a detective, and one of them works with friends. They have good friends, and they, they office it's necessarily that. It's just the Batman office there. They keep bringing Batman, Superman. There was a Batman's flying this flying thing, this weird device, and make it look like a primitive version of something that um, they had drawn earlier on in the series. Okay, so I'll make them like kind of like gliders. Like, sitting on the, everybody loves it, and the Batman office is like, no. You can only draw the Batmobile. <laughs> so I had to redraw it. The whole, the whole thing is just the Batmobile. You can't show that. <laughs> yeah, it was Batman and Superman. He was in the book. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they wanted the Batmobile. The new one that Greg had just designed. So I had to draw that one. I had to draw a cool ship and a car. Plus, uh, Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, the movie. Looks I cool. cannot wait to see that movie. Yes. Uh, Wonder Woman looks awesome. So I'm so stoked. I like it. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it does Suicide Squad. <laughs> well, no, what Suicide Squad has to do is it not only has to... No, 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 no. They should have reversed it mid Suicide Squad first. It's tracking things, better. Of all things to follow up that movie with Suicide Squad. You what's making me think that well, Joker... What's making me think that Joker has... Yeah, yeah, that's the, one, the one thing you have for that movie is you got Will Smith. What's making me think that Joker has yeah. something going on in Batman Superman for them to have followed up Suicide Squad... I mean, Joker probably does play a big. Well, they said it's mostly a Batman movie, so I'm guessing Joker is in that movie at some point. They just haven't talked about it. In Suicide Squad, yeah, I think it is so far. Yeah, no, he's in it, but I don't think he's in. I think. Well, it makes sense if you if Batman's been punching you in the grill for the last twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, Bruce Wayne probably had all his teeth that probably falls at that point. I mean, he's had teeth knocked out so much, too. He shouldn't have any real teeth. <laughs> you get those titanium implants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Supergirl and uh, Doctor Who, uh, Vega, Doctor Who. That I doubt. Yeah. Uh, I got someone to pitch the Batgirl Supergirl story that I got to. I would have thought that would have been great. <laughs> Did I give you one of my cards, Brett? Uh, yeah. I, and if you're cool with it, could you email those original relic designs?